When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Our Core Listing, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm Stu Whiffin, sitting next to me always, Christopher William Yum Glasson. You alright? Hello mate, yeah I'm okay. How, how, how goes it? goes alright, it goes alright, yeah, not too bad. We're talking like we've not been sitting in an yeah, office with each other for the last hours. three hours. Boring. Sick of the sight of you already to be honest. <laughs> you've, uh, you've brought in another uh, array of disgusting things today. You didn't bring in your vinegar, no. which you know I have a problem with, but yeah. you did bring in another bowl of Boiled eggs. Yeah, yeah, four boiled eggs I've got to get through today. Yeah. How do I keep these muscles up? Do you know what I mean? It's like, They're, what, what is his secret? Then you went out, not content that you hadn't bought enough smelly mm. food in the office, you went out and bought olives. What else did you buy that smells? Um, do you want to speak? Uh, you're going to really struggle today, mate. You're going to have to try and speak into the microphone whilst I've got a smaller me. microphone, haven't it's, I? Yeah, so apologies, guys. He's got a, he's got a, sm- a small one today. Um, what else have I bought? I bought some olives. There's nothing wrong with olives, is okay. there? Okay. Okay. Um, what else did I get? A fresh salad. That's it. So That's you're, on, you're still on some sort of detox. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. But I don't have to drink the vinegar drink now, which I kind of miss. Disgusting. Apple cider vinegar and all that good stuff, really. Cayenne pepper. Flushes you out, mate. Right. Oh, oh, here's an interesting fact no one cares I'll be about. I'll um, I lost a stone in a week to start with. I've plateaued. And I'm not doing it for weight loss, but you know, I was just curious to see what was happening. I mean, that ain't healthy. Um, no, honestly, the diet the diet's fine, and it's not like I'm doing like one of my classic water fasts. So yeah, yeah it's not anything as extreme as that. When are you going to start looking better? <laughs> no, 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 you just made our guest laugh. <laughs> um, no, saying, listen, listen. Like, that's... You, you know, you've you've been doing this healthy kind yeah, of thing yeah. for a few weeks yeah, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, do still yeah, look like yeah. you brush your hair. I'm, I'm laughing on the inside, mate. Yeah, I just couldn't be bothered. I couldn't be bothered. I know. Um, just for our guests' uh, benefit, as we walked past the toilet before you came in. Rich, uh, he, he went and done his hair. He had checked his hair out, made sure he I've been over the shop with you, haven't I? It's windswept. It's well windy out there. All right, mate, yeah. So, yeah. Um, well, yeah, look. I do look like I've brushed my hair with a firework. Thank you. It's um, just, my look. So, before we do anything else uh, and get round to introducing today's guest, let's do a little thanks to our sponsors. So, we've got three lovely sponsors uh, who begrudgingly give us money uh, to be associated with this drivel. One of them's a prick. One of them's a prick? Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll start with him. Uh, the, uh, the Say What podcast is hosted by Justin Price, Big Papa Jay, you know him. Uh, him and Notorious uh, FAWT are the co-hosts of that podcast. Um, they've, they've not got any listeners, uh, so they've asked to uh, 
to kind of ransack ours. Yes. And, to, and to, to, to try and draw over our wonderful, wonderful folks over on Sedera shit show, basically. And that, that's their words, not ours. Yeah, yeah, right? absolutely. And you can go online. Uh, sorry, if you, you happen to be driving around the M25 or the M11, you will see bill posters everywhere for his podcast. Um, he's literally not feeding his kids at the moment because he's spending every penny he owns on trying to get people to listen to his podcast. But yeah. I'll explain to him, yeah. it doesn't matter how much you spend on it, the actual podcast itself you can't is polish really your rubbish. Turd. You can't, no. you can't. So the Say What Podcast, proud sponsor uh, of Hardcore Listing. We're reluctant... Um, reluctant to allow him to sponsor. Usually, yeah. it's the sponsors who are reluctant to sponsor us, isn't it? But Absolutely, and we've got very low standards. We have bottom of the barrel standards. Um, have you got your notes about our sponsor? Yeah, I have. Check you out. It was all right, wasn't all it? Right. Yeah. Well, I say that. So, talking of other pricks, Charles from Love Beer sent us a new, um, a new uh, thing to shout out, right? Yeah. Because he's got some new news. New news. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to read this out. It's first time, so this is going to be bad. Ready? <clears throat> Our friend, the lovely Charles, he wrote that. <laughs> Such a Charles, I've outed you on, on public. Um, but no, we do love you, Charles, obviously. AKA Smelly Woodboy, he's even written that himself. As I a, like the fact Charles, that it's so horrible to him, he's now just embraced it. <laughs> oh, Charles, this is cracking. Has been very busy boy recently. You always are, mate. You're very industrious. He's just taken the massive step of moving out of the shed in his parents' garden in Kent to a brand new premises in Basingstoke so he can deliver to the majority of the south of England which is wicked for me seeing as I'm now a, a Kent hipster mm-hmm. it means I, I can actually get doorstep incredible beer mm-hmm. so he's also developed a beer system which keeps the beer pouring perfectly for up to two weeks that you can hire for events and parties starting from how much how much you think I don't know £135 which that, is I mean, quite that's, good that's it's pretty decent yeah. isn't it we could just get one for in here to be fair with a keg of beer, no, I'm on a detox, so, so after that. With a keg of beer, this system means you can have pub quality pint, uh, a pub quality pint from home for as little as three pound seventy per pint. Use code Hardcore Twenty Two. Cap, oh, put your caps lock on because it will save you time. Hardcore Twenty Two at checkout to get twenty four pound off your kegs. Why? Wow! Wow! We we are. So that's it's getting near Christmas. Yeah, get a keg for Christmas. Get a ke- I'm going to get a keg for Christmas. Yeah. It's Matt impossible Molly's not to say, well. give me a keg without going Team Wolf, isn't it? <laughs> um, for the entrepreneurs out there, Charles is now franchising Love Beer. Oh, incredible. And he's looking for people. I love the fact that you're literally, <laughs> first time you've read this, you haven't even read his message. You're even surprised. I've been so busy this weekend. I haven't read any messages from Pip. Oh, like, I've done this really good thing. I was like, he's not I our sponsor. Time. It's true, it's true, Charles. I'm sorry, I should put you above him. Charles is now franchising Love Beer. I knew that. Five seconds ago, and he's looking for people to operate the Midlands, East Coast, and Essex and Southwest areas. Amazing! Mm. So head over to love-beer.co.uk forward slash franchise for more information. That's dope, Charles. Um, hope you're keeping well, guys. No, I'm just now reading. <laughs> I'm now reading off WhatsApp, and then there's a picture of him in the bath. That's a nice picture. Uh, I also want to talk about our, our third sponsor, um, Samra Academy. So Samra is uh, Academy is a karate school. Uh, Headed up by Sai. Uh, Sai is uh, a long-time listener and sufferer of this podcast. <laughs> and um, basically, if you've not uh, trained in martial arts, bizarrely, our guest today, when we get mm-hmm. onto it, we done karate oh, together, didn't we, oh, for many years? Many moons. Not yeah. under Kuda Khan karate. He this was, is yeah, insane. He was at the same level. No way. We'll get onto that in a sec. We'll get onto that in oh. a sec. Um, but... Um, 
But yeah, so basically, uh, I can't tell you the benefits of, of martial arts. Uh, as much as I was doing it way back there with, with, with uh, my, uh, our today's guest, I still do. Uh, I still do it to this day, uh, and it's one of the best things to keep your brain where it needs to be, keep you kind of uh, a little bit loose, and keep those uh, aging joints uh, a little bit more supple. And also, um, it's an essential skill to learn uh, if you're looking to go out of an evening uh, and have a, a fight in a pub car park. Uh, it's an essential skill set to have in your back pocket. If you're looking to rob a pensioner, give them a dig as well. Um, and, and also, if you just your kids are having trouble at school and you want to start giving kids a little bit of a slap around the top of the head, learn how to do it properly. Yeah, you'll go from being able to take out a classroom of infants to... To Belmarsh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> Summer Academy. In all seriousness, go, go learn some martial arts. Uh, Summer Academy will teach you. You can have one-to-one lessons with Sai as well. Uh, and you will learn uh, a really good life skill, and it's uh, like I say, it's, it's, it's really good for your well-being, and uh, not for your enemies. Not, for your but enemies. also interestingly, you can uh, you, that, that's actually a, a, um, you can you can grade up and you can teach it as well. So Sama does have that opportunity for careers there as mm. well, which is really cool. Absolutely, um, I'm I I've, I've, I applied. I'm too dangerous. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. black belt. Yeah, exactly. Black, black belt. When I was fourteen, I'm still. Oh, you said I'm a black belt. I'm not a black belt. You've been dining out on the fact that you're a black belt for so long now. <laughs> and it's now... the first thing he said to me when I walked in. <laughs> it was it? Yeah. Standard. Just yeah. Nice to meet you, Chris. Yeah, black belt. <laughs> <laughs> that sensei to you, which was like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> Well, that voice you can hear is today's guest, Richie Hughes. All right, Rich? Hello, Stu. Lovely to be here. Oh, mate, it's great. So we'll give you a bit of backstory. Um, I've known Rich since we were probably, well, since I was probably about five or six. Uh, and obviously, I'm, I'm well old. Uh, so we've known each other a good 40 years. Um, You're not the same age, though, because Rich looks yeah. fucking like... 20 years younger than yeah, you. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same diet as you, Chris, is what it is, yeah. <laughs> now, Stu's a year older than me. He used to bump around with my big brother, Jamie, right. yeah. um, back at Little Thurrock County Primary School, yeah. as it was in the day, yeah. Good and, times, um, mate, good times. But you then went to a, a, a school for clever people. Yep, Coopers. So it turns <laughs> out you went to the same school as Chris as well. <laughs> yes. But... Is the, the idiot who's brushed his hair with a toffee apple. <laughs> <laughs> But what's interesting is, I didn't even, I forgot to mention this. So, talking about karate there. Mm. So, Chris has been telling me he's been a black belt ever since we've met. (laughs) And then we was just talking about it, about maybe four years into these conversations. Yeah. And you went, yeah, my sensei, Stan. And I went, Stan? Stan Crown? And he went, yeah. I went, that was my sensei. And it was like, so it turned out that we went to the same karate school, yeah. but you went to the one in Basildon, yeah. and obviously I went to the one in Grays. Yeah. Was it yeah. Tora Kai or something? Tora like Kai, that? yeah. 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 Right. I've uh, forgotten all about that, Stuart. I know, yeah. I've just had a flash of you in your white pyjamas. Oh, where did you mate. get up to? About a blue belt, I seem to remember No, I, you. I got to brand second queue. Yeah, I, I carried it on for fucking ages. and uh, But yeah, I wasn't very... Uh, I was never going to be a black belt. That's really good. What do you mean? You were just like what, two off with second cue. Well, I've, I've mentioned before that grading, mm. that when I look back and we talk about inspirational people crying. in our character, in, yeah. in, our, in our lives, yeah. I remember at the grading, I don't know if you was there, Rich, um, 
But our friend Nick Noyes, Nick Hogburn, like Nick was there as well. And Stan has said, whatever you need to do to get through doing these last like round of press-ups, I don't know what grading it was. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever you do, spit, swear, scream. And obviously we was all young and our parents were there. And Nick was a couple of years younger than us. And I just remember like him going, right, and start doing your press-ups now. <laughs> and obviously after about 10, most of us were like, Phew. but like, I think Nick had done two and then he was just going, can't <laughs> fucking help. And he was, he'd just been given a green light by a grown-up to swear. Yeah. And, just, <laughs> and I don't suppose any of the parents were going to argue with Stan over it anyway, <laughs> no. were they? But then after that, um, that happened and they gave the belts up. They gave everyone their belts and I think it was like my green or something like that. But he went, uh, I'd like to um, make a, 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 a little bit more of a, a thing about this one. And I was just thinking, I'm the only one left. Like, what, is he mm. going to upgrade me, like skip me to another mm. like, belt? Yes, is that it? Yeah. But, uh, happened a lot for me. So Sorry. he pulled me up in front of uh, the, all the class and the people from the other clubs because it was a grading and everyone's parents and then just went, like me, Stu's a big old unit. <laughs> and, like, and so I think he probably has to work a little bit harder. And I was like, I was about 12, just being <laughs> ripped for being a fat kid in front of everyone. No, you think, like, I guarantee in about 10 years' time when I'm, like, up to the fucking balls in therapy, mm. just sitting on some chaise lounge, yeah. like, talking to a shrink, they're going to trace that yeah, back so to Stan yeah, ridiculing me that's, for having little man tits when brutal, I was... That's uh, brutal, that is. Yeah. Did you pass? Did you get the grade? I did, yeah, but like, I think yeah, I'd rather have just stayed at home and, and not had the <laughs> humiliation that come with it. <laughs> oh, oh, what a small world. So we went to Cooper's together and we studied, we did uh, Cooper, uh, well, I studied under Stan and then yeah. his, his son, Lee. Um, that was mad though, it was what spun me right out when we've been talking about creative for so long to yeah, find that, that out. Yeah, that was oh, quite weird. Oh, those were the days. Well, we, me and Rich, just before we, we started recording, we talked about Cooper's, which was... Uh, a bloody good old school. Yeah, and, uh, still is. Got my little boy has just started in year seven there. He's off on a PGL at the minute. But um, yeah, still a, a well-decent school, I yeah. think. Yeah. Have they? I just remember, though, because this sort of applied for you as well, Rich, like how cold the swimming pool. Like, I remember when like I, I got in and I was like, oh, wicked, yeah, and they got a swimming pool. And then like it comes to winter and then you're swimming in that. that and it's like... I know whatever it's your first class, like nine AM or whatever, and you've got to dive in that ice cold swimming pool. Oh, All right. of a sudden the you fantasy of it being a nice pool. What a working class problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Just, just doing PE in our swimming pool at our school. <laughs> yeah, that must have it been. Weren't shit. It, I mean, to be honest, it wasn't the pool that I remember being that bad. It's just once you've pulled yourself out of the piss and plasters, back into the, <laughs> back into the changing rooms yeah. after. And yeah. it was, you know, tiled, wall to wall, floor to ceiling. Yeah. And it was just freezing. It's freezing. You couldn't take your towel in with you, so you had to wait to get, you know, back to the changing room. Yeah. And um, yeah, like after rugby, like you you do rugby in the winter, and then um, rugby's it's not like football, so the ball's more like oh, right. it's more like oval shaped yeah. shoe. Gentlemen play it. More gentlemen yeah. play it. Yeah. Not, no, not, we, we not just, the fucks. just do races with them little like bean bags <laughs> <laughs> uh, on our heads. You have to hold it on your head. <laughs> Sack race. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, oh god! Um, but like after rugby, you go in the change room and like 
you, you know, you had to rush to get to your next class and you couldn't do up your shirt because your fingers were just absolutely, just completely numb. But uh, it was Mr. Har- I, so the P teachers there were Mr. Harmon and Mr. Marshall. I All our listeners, well. yeah, 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 yeah. Mr. Harmon once, and I've stopped, stopped reminiscing about Coopers. Uh, I, had, I had bruises all up my shins. Is this going to get uh, a new No, 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 no. And, it, and he, he kind of took me aside one day and he was like, mate, is everything all right at home? And I'm like, pop your trash. <laughs> <laughs> let's have a look at them bruises. Let's take, let's take your temp- temperature. He, uh, he was like, is everything all right at home? And I was like, yeah, no, me and me mate, just uh, we just kick each other in the shins. And we've got this other game where his big brother runs around with a plastic axe and we hide and if he catches us, he hits us with him. And he's like, are you sure you don't want me to raise this? I was like, no, it's just... Normal growing up as a boy, as, as far as I was concerned. Probably weren't the case for most kids at Coopers. No, no, probably not. They had their, their butler chasing around to hit <laughs> Right, well, look, we've got, um, we've got you on today, Rich, because well, let's, let's touch on it before we even get into the, uh, the, the, the top five. Um, you've wrote a football song. I've written an England World Cup banging anthem for the uh, forthcoming Qatar World Cup. Amazing. Yeah. So we'll, we'll turn this episode around quick because on the time of recording, what's the World Cup like? Two weeks away, three weeks away? Two and a half weeks away, yeah. It kicks wow. off on the 20th, I think, which is a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And then runs to a week before Christmas. Finals on the 18th. Wonderful. Amazing. So we'll get into your background within the arts as this podcast unfolds. But before we do anything, what's the song called? It's called Stick Another Star on the Shirt, and it sort of celebrates the tradition of a, a winning national team being able to emblazon their playing jerseys with a star for every tournament they've won. So I think Brazil have got five stars shining down on their crest, yeah. and you know we've got this one lonely star that we've had since 1966. So yeah. yeah, came up with that as a title, and I thought, yeah, that's pretty decent. Let's write a song around it. Um, yeah. So the song was actually written about two weeks into the last World Cup, 2018, and England were doing well. And the bar I've got at the end of my garden is getting progressively more and more full. And I said to everyone, I think we were 6-0 up against Panama at half-time or something like that in the, in the round of 16. I said, we need to write an England song. And they said, well, everyone said, yeah, that's a decent idea. So... Threw a few ideas around, a, a neighbour of mine, uh, Mark Willett, he said, well, you should just make it all about me, you know, in his typical humble way. Yeah. And actually, that was the, the best idea ever, because he's a massive England fan, but he's also one of these retro shirt collectors. So, right. you know, he, whereas I, I've got like the snide version from um, Sports Direct or whatever, yeah. He's got the originals, you know, from back in the 80s, back in the 70s, all yeah. worth a, you wow. know, a, a fair amount of dough. Yeah. So, yeah, I had, had the idea about this star, um, had the idea that I wanted it to be about retro football shirts. But, of course, we were well behind the curve because we're two weeks into the tournament. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I've, I, I, in my other field, in the um, theatre work that I do, I work with several composers. And I've got one guy who's a brilliant tunesmith, a guy called Scott Dean, who I'd worked with a lot before. And I put these lyrics down in half a day and I sent it over to him, but I know that his process is quite involved. And two days later, I've still not heard anything back. So I sent it to the quickest composer I know, a guy called Luke Bateman. Within 20 minutes, he set the whole thing to music. Wow. But as his email comes in, I get an email back from Scott Dean as well at the same time. So now it's a bit like, how, how do I, um, yeah. you know, 
how do I break it to yeah. both of these guys that they're both working on it together? Yeah. So I thought the best and most honest thing to do was just to tell Luke that he's coming to Essex. I picked him up from the station, said that we're going around Scott's just to record the song. And then we sort of knocked on the door and Scott opened the door and went, what the hell is Luke doing here? And I said, well, you better tell him, Luke. And I just <laughs> stepped away and uh, <laughs> there we go. I mean, the great thing was one of them had written a really good verse and the other had written a really good chorus. Oh, right, and sweet. they were you know, musically <clears throat> adept enough that we managed to put the two together. So that was the 2018 version. It got a fair degree of traction, but you know what can you expect? We, we had about a week at it, yeah, and then yeah, we yeah. crashed yeah. out to um, Croatia. So this time round, we wanted to be sort of ahead of the curve a bit more. We wanted it to have a Christmas feel because this is you know the first and probably the only mm-hmm. um, Winter World Cup yeah. ever. So we've written a, a Christmas-inspired, Qatar-inspired middle section. Um, and yeah, we've taken it into a studio and recorded it properly and teamed up with a brilliant charity. Hopefully I can talk about them a bit more later. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, ready, ready to go. Really. It was released on Friday. Wonderful. We'll we'll pick back up on, on everything, uh, about that, but we should say, what is your top five going to be today? My top five is going to be. England football songs. Perfect. So what I'd like to do is obviously do the, the England football songs and then dive back into, because you, you mentioned things about, you know, you linked up with some of the composers and and for some of our listeners, they're probably like, oh, that sounds like a juicy story. So I'd love to hear your backstory of, you know, who you've worked with, what you've done in the past as well, which, because we started touching on it before the uh, before the, the podcast started. So there's loads of stuff you've done, which I think's fascinating really mate so yeah i'm really looking forward to this but we're Brilliant. gonna we're gonna use the thread of top five football songs right that we've we, for the world cup is it english football songs english world cup football yeah songs, england based it? football yeah. songs for the most part you know yeah. i've got i've got one wild card i think in sure. there but i can justify it yeah <laughs> it's your top five mate you can do, <laughs> do what you want um cool shall we do a shall we well, start yeah we'll count five? down to the number one being the best or uh, your favorite but what's number five rich so, number five, they went through a tradition of squad songs where they, mm. they used to just get the players together on a sound stage somewhere and they'd dress them up in their tracksuits, they'd, you know, put the cans on them and they'd sing. And mm. you could tell that some players were really up for it mm-hmm. and could hold a tune and then others couldn't hold a tune in a bucket and they were there to make up the numbers. Um, so, that really started with um, Back Home in 1970 with, like, Bobby Moore mm-hmm. and... Um, Jeff Astle, and the one I remember, and I remember it fondly because it's, um, you know, very much the first time I'd sat down with my dad and watched an entire tournament throughout, and it's the 1982 World Cup in Spain, and the anthem for that was, um, I think we were under Ron Greenwood at the time, and it was... We're on our way. We are Ron's 22. We are the boys. And, yeah, yeah white red, and white and blue. And <laughs> so the song was called This Time We'll Get It Right. Yeah. It's my favourite. Yeah. I love this Oh, song. I know. I know. It's, uh, <laughs> I just remember sitting there with my dad. And it, it was a, a strange format that year because there were two group stages. And that, I don't know if you know, England actually went through that entire tournament unbeaten. We'd, oh, really? Yeah. We'd romped through the first group stage. And then we were put in a group with... Um, Germany and Spain, Spain being the hosts, Germany being Germany, you know. Um, we drew nil-nil with Germany, and then 
we had to win by two clear goals against the Spanish on their own pitch. And I remember being allowed, uh, allowed to stay up late by my dad. And it just seemed so unfair. Mm. I couldn't get it through my head. You know, you don't understand the nuances yeah. of, oh, it's aggregate goals or goals scored and goal, goals against. And I remember crying my eyes out the night we went out to, to Spain yeah. that night. Um, but I remember they're sitting there. Did you, did you have the um, Admiral kit, Stu, with the, the epaulettes? Yeah. It's my favourite England kit. Yeah, like definitely. It's, uh, it's an absolute view. And that would have been, that was the era of like, Keegan was a superstar, wasn't he, at that point? Keegan was a superstar. Brooklyn, Shilton in goal yeah. with the, um, the yellow version yeah. of the Admiral oh, top. Um, wonderful. Yeah. And I don't know if you know, but Admiral were actually... A, an underwear manufacturer in Leicester. They made women's hosiery. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they got this designer on board and started doing these football kits. Yeah. And it was transformative for the, the football shirt industry yeah. because all of a sudden, rather than just sort of turn up wearing a white shirt, you know, maybe sewing a badge on onto it, that kids could watch their idols play for England and then, yeah. you know, go home ask their mum and dad for the shirt. Yeah. And I remember, you know, getting that original yeah, Admiral same. shirt. It was an horrible sort of horrible material, wasn't it? it yeah, was it so was an electric shock yeah. you know, as you put it on, wouldn't <laughs> it? It was pure static. Yeah. yeah. It really was. But, but, but for me, those shirts and the, and the sounds, the songs that go with each World yeah. Cup, you know, they, they're part of the, the package that I remember from each yeah. World Cup, you know, from 82 pretty much onwards. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's so weird because... You know, for, for Chris and I, we, we've, I don't think we've ever really spoke about football on this podcast, have we? Not and really, only, only had, in passing. We had yeah. Colin Murray, Murray on, didn't yeah, we? Yeah. And he, Colin Murray done top five uh, sporting songs that crowds sing. And that was quite weird, wasn't it? Like yeah. hearing some of the, the bizarre songs. I've never heard Hibs fans singing Sunshine on Leaf, which was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever, mm. yeah. ever heard. Um, but... But yeah, in regards to sort of our relationship, you're not really a, ever really been a big football fan, have you? I'm, I'm really bad at football. And I think the fact that I'm so bad at football kind of put me yeah. off. And I didn't like being fouled. I couldn't, I couldn't compute why someone would yeah, foul me. Unless someone was kicking your shins, of course. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's fine. So, um, or an axe. It's, it's so, it's so um, uh, uh, strange that I can't, I can't stand that, but I'll, I'll, I'll you know, engage in combat sports but yeah I was, I was always rubbish at football two left feet and so I didn't really have that a great relationship with it um, I supported West Ham for a little bit yeah, um, that can put anyone off. Yeah, that. that's, that's coming from a West Ham fan myself. There you go. Like my dad's a diehard West Ham fan, and that, and um, yeah. So yeah, I don't know a great deal about football, yeah. so I will sit here and nod for a lot of this and uh, ask very stupid questions. I'm sure. I was I was obsessed until about '89. I was an Arsenal fan, and 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 I remember sitting with my granddad when they played West Ham and they lost in the FA Cup, uh, and. Uh, and then I was, I was a, a, a diehard Arsenal fan and I, and I remember following it right the way up until the 89 when Michael Thomas scored the, the oh, yeah, incredible the goal in the last minute, minute yeah. of extra time uh, to win the league. And then it was at that season, I used to go and watch Arsenal and it used to cost me eight quid to, to go and stand in clock end. Uh, and then it was that season, I think it wasn't long after the high schools thing, that it went all seater. And then I think at that point, it all started to rocket in price. And I think in 1989, 
I found the stone roses and girls and stuff like that, and it was like, oh, I'm, I'm into this now. And Girl, girls? Well, no, that's an absolute <laughs> lie. Right, that okay. is such it's a lie, right, actually. Right, mate, right. I was just trying to... Yeah, you, found you, you looked for him, you never you found, found him. You found, <laughs> your ding, you found your dinkle. You had binoculars for looking for him. I went for looking him, for him, but I just kept getting them court orders and restraining <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so I, I'm, but for me, the World Cup is still something that I watch religiously, and, and I think as a nation, lots of us do, and it's... It's uh, it, it's an exciting time in sport, and but up like that. I imagine I'm guessing that most of your song choices today are going to be from iconic times in in, in in recent football culture. But yeah, that one in '82. I also want to do a shout out. Scotland put one out that year as well, and they put one out called "I Have a Dream." Yes, uh, and I think it was B. A. Robinson, and I can't think what other. <laughs> Who the guy was that sung it? I've got a feeling I'm probably going to get this massively wrong. It really looked like the bloke from Gregory's Girl, uh, but I remember it. There's there's this really beautiful bit where the middle eight breaks down and it's a dream sequence, and he's dreaming about getting asked like John Robinson asked him to take the penalty, and then you've just got this kind of choir going like we have a dream of Barney Scotland and it's ah oh, I've literally just got goosebumps like <laughs> talking about that but yeah I think like you Rich that was like I, I remember I had the sticker book for Europa 80 and like and I can't remember that much about it but Hispania 82 that was it for, for I guess most people our yeah. generation that was the first big World Cup wasn't it and like, you touched you on some you know another vital part of all the paraphernalia of World Cups, the Panini sticker book, which oh, is just... Ridiculous. You know, you walk into Little Thurrock School with... You couldn't fit it in your yeah. jacket pocket. You had yeah. a stack of swapsies that yeah. big, you know. And God, I don't God know if the foil it. badges had quite made it out then. Um, but That, opening that pack of like six stickers or however many it was, and just flicking, and then you see that little bit of shiny... Yeah. Badge! Yeah. Badge! Yeah. Oh, it's the Willy Wonka <laughs> moment, so, isn't it? Oh, it I've was. got a golden ticket. <laughs> it really was. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Well, look, before we get on the track uh, four. four, Rich, so give us a bit of background as, as to uh, the, the more sort of creative side of what you've done in regards to music and, and, uh, and theatre. Yeah, so I, I'm primarily a theatre lyricist. It's something I've only got into really in the last sort of eight or ten years. Uh, always sorry but am I right by trade you're a sign writer by trade I'm a traditional sign writer I paint murals I do a bit of graffiti um, legally you know paid for graffiti yeah yeah yeah, all about Um, but yeah I've always written what I sort of considered to be ditties you know back at Cooper's Chris I used to do the end of term end of year review right and some years it would be you know to the tune of a Gilbert and Sullivan song. Other years, <laughs> it would be when I was into Dougie Fresh, it'd be a rap at the end of the year, you know, to- totally culturally inappropriate now. But, you know, I gave it a go as a, as a 13, 14 year old. Um, and then I, I put a couple on YouTube. I did a, a parody of the old Nisloppy JCB song, but like a Chad version of that. <laughs> Me and my brother did a, a version of the um, Billy Joel, She's Always a Woman to Me. Um, and it was called She's Almost a Woman to Me and took place in sort of Bangkok. And I'll let you fill in the <laughs> gaps there. But, um, and all of a sudden, they, they're getting a load of hits. Mm. And I'd always wanted to write for, for the theatre, but didn't really 
envisage any pathway there. You know, when I was at school, I'd, if I'd have said to the careers advisor, I want to be a theatre lyricist, they, you know, would have said next kind of thing. But I'd, I'd, I'd come across this open submission for a show that was going on at the Soho Theatre. And uh, me and Scott Dean, who I mentioned formerly, wrote this song for it. And the, it was loosely based um, on Jimmy White, the own the old um, snooker player. And it was about a group of mates, one of whom had died tragically young. And they broke into the undertakers the night before his funeral and take him out for one last night on the bender <laughs> around Soho. So Scott and I wrote this song called It's What He Would Have Wanted. And it had, you know, um, it had drug taking in it. It had necrophilia in it, you know. A, a laugh and a joke, it's what he would have wanted. A drink and a smoke, it's what he would have wanted. Yeah. A nose full of coke, it's what he would have <laughs> wanted, you know. A nosh and a poke, it, it went on and on. But anyway, so... Um, we, we submitted it into this uh, open submission. I thought, right, I don't think we'll hear anything back. It's probably a bit too near the knuckle for yeah. these uh, theatre types. And the producer phoned me that evening and he said, where have you been all my life, you two? He said, now I realise we've got a show. This is brilliant. And all of a sudden I'm thrust into this circle of musical theatre writers. And I'm there... Um, rubbing shoulders, swapping ideas with people like Charles Hart, who wrote the lyrics for Phantom of the Opera, Stoles and Drew, who've written, you know, Mary Poppins. And um, oh, you realise there's a, a small group of people who are trying hard to do that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I, and then I, I joined a, a writer's workshop, um, BML London, and they really sort of honed my craft. I had a, a natural instinct, I suppose, for turning the rhyme and what a song should be about, but they really sort of honed that craft. And yeah, from then I've went on, I've written a couple of um, family musicals that have done pretty well. Um, one of which went on to Broadway and played in the West End. So so for Stu's benefit and mine, I obviously understand what family musical means. Is that is that just a musical with the direction for the whole family can go and watch it or um, yeah. just for shoes understanding yeah they they tend to be um shorter for the family market as well so yeah, rather yeah, than yeah. have um a, an interval where they can go and get more e-numbers down the net and come back <laughs> even more excited they tend to be sort of an hour yeah. and 10 minutes yeah. long like yeah. a condensed gotcha. um musical yeah. so yeah we wrote this one called uh, mr popper's penguins do you remember there was right. a jim carrey mm -hmm. film but yeah. it's based on uh, a book classic children's book from the US um, of the 1930s or 40s. And yeah, we wrote this um, version, which, you know, I, I'm incredibly proud of still. You know, it's one of the nicest pieces of theatre. Um, and it went into the West End and a, a woman from the New Victory Theatre on 42nd Street came over and saw it and she said, right, I'm taking this to the to the States. And, I mean, um, that's ridiculous. That's so it cool, is ridiculous. Man. Like, literally, first thing I've written, and I'm coming out the subway on 42nd Street, and there's the billboard there with, you know, Mr. Popper's Penguins and my name in lights. And it was like, hey, this ain't that hard, you know? It's surreal. <laughs> yeah. People, what a moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, as I say, you know, one of the proudest moments of my life, yeah. and I still can't believe it happened. I mean, yeah. we're, we're lucky because we had a, 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 a big production machine behind that um a, a guy called kenny wax who produces a lot of stuff you you'll see on the billboards in london um six is his latest big one um the play that goes wrong yeah. you know all stuff yeah. like that so they've got the machine to sort of guide that 
boulder downhill as you're writing it and they've got the marketing team behind it and they make those connections happen um i've had other experiences where it's really pushing the boulder uphill you know you've, you've you're writing something on spec and you're trying to desperately to get people to finance it and to get it on. Um, mm. And that's a, you know, a, a, a different proposition. Equally, um, equally fun, but just different, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's, I, I'm just blown away, Rich, really. Where, where did that, so you said like at Cooper's, not to, we're not going to talk about Cooper's anymore, she, <laughs> for it, but so you said you were writing like little bits and pieces for the end of year. Where did it start? Like, why did you start jotting? What what made you like to write, you know, rhymes and, you know, songs? I think it's a combination of two things, Chris. So... Um, the house was musical. Great. The house was musical. Yeah, my mum was it's always a magical house. <laughs> it's a magic, yeah. Yeah. Is this a magical house? Yeah, Sorry, sorry. No, so mum always played the lead in the, like the local amateur dramatic society, gotcha. and we would be kind of the, you know, if we were doing the sound of music, we'd be the uh, von Trapps, gotcha. or we'd yeah. we'd be the kids in the chorus. So yeah. grew up with that. You uh, wrote me into that. I've done two. Did you really? I've done you Showboat. Did, and that's I'd, right. Um, yeah, you were... What was his Kurt Bendy face or something? Rubber face. <laughs> Rubber face. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> 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 we, we have crossed paths on so many oh, times. Yeah. In the past oh, and I, you oh. know, I think I'd, um, I'd raise those. Or my mind, you know, is purged <laughs> of all of those moments. But you're right, yeah. So I, I grew up in a theatrical family my, my dad wasn't theatrical but he decided he was going to start his own production company it was called um Thurrock Thameside Musical Society because that was his way of sort of doing it all under his um under his remit if yeah, you like he yeah, could pick yeah, exactly yeah. who he wanted yeah he could pick my mum in the star part and <laughs> you know me in the other part um and then in tandem with that I'd, I've always liked the the singer-songwriters who told a story through their music, Um, you know, and people like Billy Joel, people like Elton John to an extent, people like Queen, but also then I used to, have have you had Johnny Camp on here or has he been on? No, No, right, so I I used to knock about with Johnny Camp and we were into all the old electro stuff, Yeah, Um, you know, and, and people like, you know, Dougie Fresh coming through and doing really playful stuff with words. And I guess that's really how I got yeah. into it. Um, Slick Rick, he wrote, he was a bit Slick of a Slick Rick, yeah, writer. yeah. And yeah, they're just sort of an amalgam of the two. And of course, the funny thing is now with Lin-Manuel Miranda and the um, stuff like Hamilton and um, In the Heights, that oh, me- so meeting of um, the yeah. two yeah. genres is, is very much, you know, a, a real current thing again now. So. Are you basically saying that you and Johnny Camp pioneered Hamilton. That's pretty much, yeah. yeah. We'll I mean, buy, like, we'll buy it. That, that'll be with our the best, clip. With the best the will in the world, I did most of it, Johnny. <laughs> when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. <laughs> I, I recently watched The Heights. I thought it was absolutely, I thought it was great. My girl, because I'm, I'm not always drawn to musical uh, pieces. And my girlfriend would draw it in and then I'll come out of it going, that's fucking brilliant. And she's like, see? And we, we actually, I've been wanting to get around to this. We, we watched a Little Shop of Horrors on uh, Halloween. Oh, that is my favourite. Mate, I, I've never, like, it's been on my, you know, like, to watch list forever. And literally, we'd gone through all the Halloween films we can watch. My, my girlfriend will get scared of anything, so they have to be. Like, that's as scary as my girlfriend will go. And then we thought, well, come on then, we'll watch that. And I was kind of like, oh, why haven't I watched it yet? And why don't my mates haven't watched it? And I was thinking, is it because it's not that good? And um, I, it started within about 30 seconds. We were both like, this is going to be excellent. And it really was. And it just, the whole production was just, it was just absolutely superb. And, and the yeah. names you've got in there as well, yeah. isn't Oh, you? my God, I couldn't believe it. John Candy, yeah. Moranis. And yeah, Steve, Steve, Steve Martin, Martin Bill the Murray. Mate, it was brilliant. Yeah, which. and the, the, the stage version is actually a lot darker, you know, oh, right, the ending right. to it. Um, <laughs> you know, as, right. as they do, Hollywood kind of yeah. took a few of the more pointed edges off of the, the yeah. film version, yeah, but yeah. that's worth a watch if you ever get a chance. Oh, mate, so. yeah, we did, we did actually, we were discussing this. We were discussing this a couple of nights ago, so uh, fantastic, Rich, yeah. Um, what do you want to do? Should we do another four let's now? Let's get another four. Yeah, let's get another four in. So number four, this is, this is my wild card. It's not really a, an England song, but it happened at that sort of time when you were no longer going to Arsenal because it had changed to the all-seating mm-hmm. and the Premier League was just sort of coming in. And football went from being this hooligan-attracting sport um, for the working class to a real product, a real bit of theatre. Yeah. And for me, that the soundtrack of that transformation happened around Italia 90, yeah. And we all remember those opening credits on BBC with Ness and Dorma mm. playing behind it. Um, yeah, Pavarotti singing his heart out with these images of the, the classic moments from the World Cup. Um, and, yeah, it just, it, it, it was everything great that theatre should have been that tournament. You know, we had the, the tears of, of Gascoigne, um, you know, Lineker's kind of gesturing towards um, Graham Taylor, you know, his head's gone. And yeah, yeah again, just a, a really nice time in my life. I suppose I was 16 years old, so I had it, you know, yeah. all in front. And um, yeah, just this, that, I, I think it's, um, is it Vic, what does he sing at the end there? Um, Vincero, Vincero. 
I haven't warmed up. As that was quite a good attempt. But, um, yeah, honest with you. you know, we will win. We yeah. will win. Yeah. Oh, is that what um, you're Yeah, yeah. And now, uh, what was the old um, the footballer's name? Um, Tardelli, I think, who was yeah. doing this oh, really yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. mouth open, tears streaming down his face, having scored to get him into the World Cup final. Um, I remember this. Yeah, so that's my non-England one. Um, I mean, we've all been there in the car, haven't we? Oh. Going along. And the old Ness and Dormers played. And we, we convince ourselves, we've got this. We've got that top C at the oh, end, didn't we? Do you know what? I've got it every time. But yeah. every now and again, just turn the volume down just as you're hitting it. And then, oh, yes, crank that back up again. <laughs> do you do that as well? Like, turn it down because you're that conf- you're convinced. I, I, I think that, like, I've got it. I've yeah. got it. I've got yeah. this. And, like, oh, yeah, like, I've, I've, I've gone falsetto. No one with a voice like me has got any right to go falsetto. <laughs> and, like, oh, I'd it, love to be it, the it ain't good. It ain't good. But that. That year, I was, i just left school and I was working in WH Smith's. Lakeside had just opened. That's right, yeah. And I was working in WH Smith's in the music section. Uh, and it was the year that the biggest selling album was the Three Tenors. Yes. Off the back of that. Because all of a sudden, the world had woke up to like, opera. Yeah, yeah. And it was Domingo, Pavarotti and... Uh, uh, we, we we camped out. We camped out at Hyde Park to go and see them. Oh, really? Do you remember? They filled Hyde Park, didn't they? No. Who wasn't. was it? No. It was Pavarotti, Placido Domingo, and Carreras, Jose Carreras, yeah, yeah, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, that was it, yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember just like having to have that on in the shop. And and it was the same year that like the best of In Excess and like the best of Chardonnay, and there was all of these like amazing records out. And I was like, oh, I've got to listen to bloody opera. And um, after about like two days of it, I was just like, yeah, we'll stick that on again. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like, because I think the whole furore and the imagery associated with Ness and Dorma, like, and you just saying that about that player. Yeah. It's like, cool. Cause it yeah. absolutely like, struck me was, then. Yeah. It was so vivid. And yeah, and obviously the emotion around that, that World Cup of, you know, the, the, the you know, Essentially, just Gascoigne, wasn't it? It was Gascoigne's yeah. World Cup that, and that was, yeah. You know, he he was the the, the superstar of that. You, all of a sudden, you just fell in love with this troubled, vulnerable young man that you know played with such passion and flair, and and to see that that little moment where you get the the Lineker kind of watch out, like yeah, it's like that's the stuff of of films, isn't it? Yeah, and, and I no, think like. Theater. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, do you remember um, David Platt's goal in the very oh, last minute, that ridiculous. volley against Belgium, last minute of extra time? Incredible. One of the greatest World Cup yeah. goals still, I David think. David Platt don't get remembered uh, as well as like Lineker and people like that, because David Platt was an absolute beast, wasn't he? He was yeah. scoring shit. Did, was he the, did he get the golden boot? Oh, I'm going to pass on that one. Yeah, he was, uh, he was prolific, wasn't he? But, uh, yeah, and I then we had that, stu- that crazy game against Cameroon, th- and we knew nothing about everyone. Them. Yeah, they? yeah, Roger Miller, superstar. Roger Miller, yeah. But I, th- I, I think I'm right in saying like they were, we were one nil up. Then they they went two one up at yeah. one point, or, and like all of a sudden it was panic stations. Yeah. I think we hadn't quite taken them seriously. The the coaching staff maybe hadn't done their homework or maybe yeah. you know this is the days before you could do your homework yeah. you could go on YouTube and yeah. Yeah, see yeah, how yeah. all these teams play with all these optostats and the rest of it was that the quarter final? that was quarter final yeah. yeah and then we of course we went out um, with Waddle and who was the second one who missed the penalty um, 
What will miss the penalty? And is it Piercy? I think you might be right. Yeah, yeah, because um, obviously Gareth Southgate was in Euros later on, wasn't he? Pierce put that one away, didn't he? That's That's it. it. Yeah, that was his redemption. So it would have been. It would have been one of them Pierce's miss. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, went out as was, you know, the perpetual case then against Germany in the semi finals on penalties. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. And of course, the kit was the Umbro diamond white, wasn't it? And then it was a lovely blue version, like a light Mm, blue version of that, which has become quite an iconic retro shirt to uh, swan around in. Absolutely. Well, let's let's keep flowing on on the songs. What are you going to go for for number three? I'm going to keep it 1990 and Italy, and we're going to go for the official song, which is um, which was New Order and um, World in Motion. Perfect. Which is again, we'd come away from that sort of jingoistic, slightly hooligan edge mm. of the like marching band squad singing song, and this was a decent song in its own right. You know, I think it had a, mm. a fair bit of merit. You know, you've yeah. obviously got New Order, this um, dance band from. Manchester pairing up with the England team. Yeah. And Keith Allen. And Keith Allen. Keith yeah. Allen wrote the lyrics yeah. to that. And actually, I'm, it's a, Keith Allen's going to get another mention a little bit later. He's a yeah. theme. But um, yeah, Keith Allen wrote the lyrics. And I think they wanted all the squad to come in and sing it. Yeah. But now they're getting sort of agents, they're getting people advising them not to do it. Yeah. And what I didn't know actually was. Lineker was bringing out his own song, so he didn't want any part of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I, did not I think he was bringing out something, something like "If We Win It All." Um, so he refused to turn up. So did, the that, only, did that end up getting released then? The I think it was one? released, but it, just, it didn't. Just, just didn't. I think it started at number seventy and then quickly tailed off. Bad move. Gary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bad move. Um, but of course, it's after that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think you had. Um, Peter Beardsley, Chris Waddle, Paul Gascoigne turn up. Yeah. And then there was Des Walker. Des Walker and of course John Barnes. Obviously. And they tried the rap, the iconic rap, on all of them. Oh, but really? But of course, no bugger could understand the first three because they had all had these thick Geordie yeah. accents. I'd love to have heard Peter Beardsley yeah. do that. Oh, no. <laughs> Apparently, Walker has got no rhythm at all, Des right. Walker. He couldn't get it. <laughs> yeah. But John Barnes was growing up like with the Sugar Hill Gang and the likes of that, and he just waltzed into it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've, we've all done it, uh, uh, oh. pissed at a party, <laughs> haven't we? You know, tried to carry the rap off. Because it's, it's essentially, it's not really a football song, is it? It's just, a, it's a New Order song. Exactly. Like, uh, I saw New Order, uh, well, I saw them last year, but I saw them um, in about 2000. And... Uh, they just they just made the twenty uh, four hour party f- people film with John Sim, and uh, and they come out and they played all the New Order hits. It was in Finsby Park, big outdoor gig, and then they finished and they just went, oh fuck it, and they come back out and John Sim done the rap and they <laughs> brought him out and it was like, oh, they're going to play World in Motion <laughs> and it sounded so so good because it just sounds like a New Order single. It just exactly. sounds like a brilliant pop song. And it's like, but you've just got this bananas rap in the middle of it from like Barnsley, which is just fucking brilliant. And oh yeah, love it, love it, love it. Was it, actually it. New Order's only number one. It would have been, yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Which shocked me, but yeah, I didn't yeah, know that. Blue as you say, it sort of one. transcends football. They're, lyrically, it ain't really. 
it's got a, f- a few nods to football, yeah. but it's not as on the nose as everything yeah. that preceded it in terms yeah. of World Cup songs. Absolutely. But it's like, I, I think like people kind of just make it their own, don't they? And I think like they can, you, you can attach a song to something. And yeah. I think it was, obviously it was a world, the official World Cup song, but I think like for me, I, mm, I was having this conversation the other night and we'll get on to why we was having that conversation. I think this might be my favourite. Yeah. This might be my number one. Yeah, I mean, I've juggled the order of this so yeah. many times. It can change so over many years, reasons, though, can't yeah. it? Like, we, we've been like, doing top fives for, for God knows how long, mm. too long, which some might say, our listeners. And um, But yeah, my top fives change all the time. I could be so fixed on this, these are my top five favourite, whatever, 80s horror films, and then, you know, a couple of years later, it all gets jimbled about, and I guess it's the same with these songs. But I think the beauty of this one is the fact that it's, with a lot of more football anthems, it's very much you're interpreting it in it only in, in the context of football, probably. Yeah. But with this song, you you don't you've got a bit more license to take it how you want, really, isn't it? So yeah, yeah I think it has a wider appeal. Maybe sure. that's why it hit number one. Yeah, definitely. Um, so before we go on to uh, number two, Rich. So is this your first football anthem that you've written? Yeah, I've, I've written three football songs. Um, the first one was semi-autobiographical. In fact, I, was, I used to take my little boy Harry to, um, oh, what was it called, Little Kickers, literally over the road from where we are today yeah. in the hall there. And, you know, I found myself getting more and more involved despite telling myself that I wouldn't do so. <laughs> so I wrote this football song called Pushy, all about this guy who thinks he's his son, who is named something ridiculous like um, Bobby Charlton Beckham, <laughs> bloody... Um, he, he thinks he's going to be the next big England captain, yeah. you know, and he, he lives all these... Um, y- y- as the song reveals itself, you realise that he's just living all these dreams vicariously through his son, his and he, don't, he really don't give that much of a yeah. shit about his son, you know. Um, to the point, it, it, at the last moment, he says, um, and when he scores the winner with the last kick of the game and lifts the trophy overhead to feverish acclaim... A loud and patriotic crowd, as one will chant my name. Uh, I'm, I mean, his name. And um, yeah, so I, I wrote that right. one, uh, very much a sort of character comedy song for Cabaret. And then, um, so that was written with a composer called Ed Bell. And then with a guy called Darren Clark, we were, we were um, charged with writing a Christmas based song for they used to do this uh this competition called the xmas factor the best right. 10 christmas songs and we wrote a song called the beautiful game right. which is um it's on spotify actually it's well worth a well worth a listen but it's about the legendary uh, 1914 armistice um match wow, of football right. that took place on the on the um no man's land between between the trenches and and that's beautiful, you know. We had uh, some well-known West End stars singing that. Three different performers, and the competition actually took place. Do you know the, the big church that flanks one end of Covent Garden? Yeah. The Actors' Church, and it took place in there. And they had the lighting was perfect, and of course you've got the backdrop of these big stained glass windows, and just like a hush fell over the place. And these, it was a bit like listening to the three tenors that we just yeah. spoke about. Um, sing this song, The Beautiful Game. And 
Oh, it was just one of those, you know, spine-tingling moments. But um, that's on an album called um, Xmas, Xmas Factor All-Stars, I think. The Beautiful Game, but that's well worth a listen. Amazing. Another one, pretty much anything I write has a narrative behind it, you know. And this is pretty much a three-part opera in one epic five-minute song. Yeah. Lovely. I have to check that out. Well, we, we will put a Spotify playlist together and for patrons, we will sneak a few little uh, bits of music in there as well. Which, so you might, Brilliant. If you're, if you're on Patreon and you're listening to this as opposed to Akash, you might be already hearing a few of these bits in the background. But yes, we will put out a Spotify playlist too. Number two. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Number two. Well... I went to the buffet train, the buffet car for uh, number two, <laughs> and we had two choices. Both again, I think, in 1990. Um, you either went to the pastry section and got your meat pie sausage roll, come on England, gear some go. <laughs> yep. Or you went slightly more exotic and got yourself a vindaloo. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what I love about vindaloo is just the absurdity of everything about it. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Me and my mum and my dad and my gran, we're off to Waterloo. Me and my mum and my dad and my gran and a bucket of Vindaloo. I mean, bonkers. Yeah. Lyrics by Keith Allen, again. And of course, the video just exacerbates that complete absurdity of it all. You know, you've got some big old names in the video as well. You know, Lily Allen, back in the day. Um, you've got um, Matt Lucas. Yeah. And, um, William, and, and Williams, Williams yeah. in it. And it, a, a piss take, of course, of the Verve's bittersweet yeah. sympathy. Um, symphony, sorry. Yeah, Paul K. Yeah, um, but just, you know, it's... Like, like all of the really good football anthems, mm. it's simple. I think there's maybe one or two words in this course. And we all like Vindaloo. We're going to score one morning. That's it. Other than yeah. that, it's just, nah, nah, nah. So you can do it when you're pissed up. Yeah. You don't need to learn the words. Yeah. You know, it is very simple. Um, it keyed into the Carnival de Paris as well. That, yeah. 
So you sort of knew the tune. You didn't need to know the lyrics. It's, it's bonkers. So let's have it. What's not to like about Vindaloo? All right. Go on, Chris. We, I have to be really honest with you here, Rich. We, we did a podcast not that long ago, and I was really slagging off Vindaloo. Excellent. And I think there's loads of listeners going, if they don't say something now... <laughs> <laughs> but um, like I, I said, even when I was slagging it off, I was like, I'm, I'm slagging this off knowing that I'm at some point going to find myself drunk with my arms around a stranger probably singing Vindaloo because it's for all those reasons, it's a really good song. The part, and it's funny because I didn't articulate it half as well as you did earlier when you mentioned about, you know, when things get a bit like the squaddy or it gets a little bit aggy, there's always I've got this vision of having spent a lot of my youth in Basildon bars and pubs and um, I've got like it's probably just a personal like nightmarish view of when I've seen some of like people I've hung out with singing Vindaloo that just terrified me so there's a little bit of me that's like oh I find, sometimes think it brings out the bat- worse in people because they get a bit more like loutish because of the na 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 but you know I can see obviously everything you've said there Rich is like it is a, it's a really cleverly written song I love Keith Allen he's, he's, he's well, in it's loads of bits Keith and pieces Fat Les was, that was Damien Hirst oh, as well Les, yeah. that's right yeah. like, uh, who was one of the most famous people yeah. on the planet yeah. at that point yeah. Alex James from Blur was in Fat Les you know it was uh, yeah, and when you look at what was going on in music at that time that's you know obviously the parody of Birth there that's the height of Britpop mm. you know yeah. the yeah, absolute yeah. peak of it and Everything was very, just the term Britpop in itself, you know. All of a sudden, Tony Blair's got in and it was a New England and it was, I mean, don't get me wrong, that all went to shit. <laughs> but like, <laughs> but it was it was a time of like, yeah. people were really excited to be yeah. British. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and it come across in, in, in music. When you look at the films that were coming out, you know, with like what Guy Ritchie was making and what, uh, and like Train Spotting and, and films such as that. Like it was very, very boom time for for for, for the UK, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that that song, just that big chant, just it just come at the right it time, and it, it suited the mood. It definitely suited lifts like, spirits, doesn't it? That yeah. once you start building up to singing that, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I think I might have mistakenly said 1990, 1998. You're right, right yeah. at that yeah, sort yeah. of peak. Yeah, of yeah. France '98, wasn't it? Hence uh, the reference to Waterloo. When did, when did Channel Tunnel open? Because it was... I don't know. Ooh, I'm sure that's why they were going to Waterloo with their bucket of Vindaloo, wasn't it? That would make sense. Go across yeah. to France. Yeah. It yeah. would have been around that time, but then that's me giving it a bit... Sneaking a bit of guesswork. Couldn't, oh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't get some, yeah. Couldn't get a whole, through a whole episode without me guessing <laughs> something. No, I think you're probably just about, yeah, maybe right on that one. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, well, let's do, let's do your number one, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about your stuff. Yes. Okay, okay. And I think there'll be no surprises with number one. It has become synonymous with the last, best part of 30 years of um, England supporting. And I believe it's coming out again. Um, and that is, of course, it's coming home three lines, Bedill and Skinner. Mm. Um, the plus points for me are, you know, it's, again, a simple song. It's got a very infectious um, chorus, which doesn't try and do anything too fancy. And what I initially liked about it is it's got this sort of self-deprecating, very English yeah. way of um, mythologising failure. You know, I think um, 
Ian Brody said about it, I want to write a song about being a football fan. Yeah. And 95% of that is failure. <laughs> 100%, and especially an England fan. That's, exactly. Yeah. And that's yeah. what he achieves. You know, I do, I do wonder whether, you know, with the relative success we've had in the last couple of tournaments and the change in attitude, both in the, in the, in the players and the, the whole um, team they have around them, but also, you know, in the general public, whether that kind of eulogising about what nearly happened, you know, mm. Gazza sticking his leg out and missing by a matter of inches or um, Gareth Southgate missing his penalty, mm. whether that will still hold water, I suppose we'll, we'll see, won't we? Um, but it's, it, it's definitely the fans' favourite. It's the fans' favourite for a reason. And, it, you know, it's lasted the test of time. And there's some... Yeah, it's great. If you watch the, particularly the 98, because we're talking about the World Cup versions rather than the original version, but... You've got some starage in that video as well. You know, mm. you've got um, a young Robbie Williams there mm. as the um, the German and the England fans collide and have this impromptu game of football. I think you've got Chris Evans there as the coach, yeah, the England coach on yeah. the sideline. Um, God, I've not seen that video for a while. Yeah, yeah so I, I, I guess having had the success of the song in 96, because I, I spoke to um, the guy who produced the song in 96, a guy called Rick Blasky. Mm. And the tournament took a long time to take off for England. You know, it's some pretty turgid results early on. And because of that, the song didn't get any kind of leverage at all early on. Mm. And then I think it was during when, when we had that resounding win against Holland, all of a sudden it was played at half time. Yeah. And it stuck and it, um, you know, that is what put it in the public consciousness. And then the next day, I think maybe. Chris Evans or Danny Baker or a DJ played it then on the uh, on his radio station in the morning, and yeah. that's when it went, you know, really surged upwards and become what it what it is, you know. Um, and rugby has swing low, sweet chariot, and cricket has Jerusalem, and England football has is coming home. Football's yeah. coming home. Um, so I saw the lightning seeds last week. Wow. Uh, and when you were saying about uh has got that you already know it from um the other melody that you said which was Yeah, Carnival de Paris. So I only realised I was there with uh, a few mates and uh Shoestruck, by the way, for people who aren't watching, Shoestruck put his own uh, code into his phone there. Oh I actually was. <laughs> so something that I've never realised, because basically watch the lightning seeds, they played all of their hits. And then we thought, that's it. We're not going to play Three Lions. Uh, and he came out, he said, look, we've got three weeks. Let's play it. Brilliant. Uh, but I don't know if it's this video. It's God Only Knows. Yeah. <laughs> it's God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Yeah. I was yes. like... Yes. Of course it is. Yeah, I did... Just... Yeah. And I was like, I've never heard that before. No, I've, like, I've heard that song a yeah. million times. Yeah. God only knows it's one of my favourite ever records, and I've never put them together. And I was standing there with my mate, and I went, Look, I went, that's God only knows. And he was like, Oh my God, yeah. And I was like, Have I never heard that? And obviously, Brody's a massive Beach Boys fan. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then obviously, they played the song, and it was fucking amazing. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, but I'd never noticed. Why, why, maybe why sometimes I think that's really interesting in songs where like I am um, an example being 
um, I was chatting to Mike Jason, who's a, who's a record producer, and I, it was about three years ago, and I heard Be The One by Dua Lipa. I know nothing about pop music, right? But I heard that, and I was like, that's brilliant. First listen, I went, that chorus is so good, and like, and the verse is like full of hooks. And I said, I went, Jason, I said, have you heard like, uh, Be The One by Dua Lipa? I went, it's amazing. He went, do you know why you like that? I went, which just stuck in my head straight away. He went, it's Boys of Summer by Don Henley. He went, it's the same structure and the same chords. And he said, so it fast tracks because straight to you. obviously yeah. I know that song inside out and love yeah, that song. Reads, and it's yeah. like, so already you're on five before you've got, you know, and then you hear that and it's like, oh, all the chorus kicks in, you're back on 10. It's like, yeah, I find that really interesting. And when you just saying that about Vindaloo and then I thought, oh, I've got something to say about yeah. three lines. And of course, composers have been doing that for years. Well, obviously. Musicians have. Yeah, completely. You know, like... You know, we talk Britpop. I think Noel Gallagher famously say that he ripped the arse out of everyone, you know, oh, yeah. with everything he's done. But, uh, but yeah, and, and I think, do you, in all honesty, when we go into another World Cup, do you think, oh, do you know what, this time, like we might? Uh, I, I think, well, certainly this time... We, we ain't scared of anybody yeah. anymore. Of course, I'm, I'm an optimist anyway. So I think with the players we have, like particularly I, I love this new kid Bellingham and Rice in midfield. I think we've got a lot of attacking players. We can beat anyone there. The heat's going to be intense for a lot of, um, yeah. a lot of the teams, particularly the European teams and the the. Argentinians, Brazilians are always in with a good shout because yeah. of that. But um, I'm pretty hopeful, to be honest. Mm. Do you know what? I've, I've put a sneaky tenor on um, on England to win and um, our song Stick Another Star on the Shirt to be number one when they do. I put a cheeky tenor on with Joe Coral. Do it. Do it. <laughs> yeah, go <laughs> in, yeah. You've got, to, you've got to believe. So what was the football song... Have we talked about it? What was what was eighty six? What was Mexico? That was we got the world at our feet to the tune of we got the whole world in our hands. Another one of those squad. Oh, because I, no, I don't remember an awful lot about Mexico mm. other than again the Panini album, PK, which I filled out. PK, the little character. <laughs> um, yeah, I've still got that knocking about somewhere. Because there was um, the other one, wasn't there? There was the Echo and the Bunny Men and the Spice Skills one. The, yes. Uh, that was a shocker, that was. Yeah, that was the official. That wasn't 88, though, was it? That's no, what was much, that? Much no, that was. I think that was even later than that. That might have been 2010, you know, South Africa. No, it wouldn't have been that. The Spice Skills would have split up by then, surely. Mm. Yeah, they weren't. They oh, weren't okay. together. I, I mean, it just shows how forgettable that song was, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, so in regards to the single, we'll have this episode out next week, so by then, people can go and get the track? Yeah, people can go and get it. It was released uh, last Friday on all the major music-sharing uh, sites. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we're lucky, a, a, a purely chance encounter, a friend of a friend in Stratford-upon-Avon Market. Um, bumped into an old mate from school and he put us on to uh, the, the Jeff Astle Foundation. Now, 
Jeff Astle was a, a West Bromwich Albion legend, played in Sir Alf Ramsey's 1970 England side. Wow. Uh, and he was taken, um, you know, at a relatively tender age of 59 by the early onset dementia caused by the persistent heading of footballs and brain trauma. Um, so his daughter, Dawn, I, I sent her the, uh, the single that we've done. And about three days later, I'm down in Brighton and the phone goes, an unknown number, so answer it. Richie, Dawn Astle. I went, yeah. mm-hmm. oh, hello, hello. <laughs> she went, I've got a bone to pick with you. I went, all right, well, what's that? I can't get your bloody song out my bloody head, right? <laughs> and I thought, brilliant, we might have a partnership here. Because <laughs> yeah. I could tell that I liked her immediately, you know, very much on the wavelength. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we're raising funds for them with a single, but also, you know, giving them the exposure. It's, it's a vital and hugely serious topic, obviously. Um, the foundation look after sports people from not just the professional um, arena, but all across the spectrum and provide support for families who are going through um, early onset dementia. But they also provide education and sort of lobbying for the protection of children. And uh, it's recently come out that children won't be able to head a ball until a certain age. They're developing various um, headbands and protection for the for the youngsters. I just want to say, because uh, when that first got mentioned, like, I remember hearing about that, and there was loads of people going, oh, never done me any harm, blah, blah, blah. But we're seeing now that it has caused lots of problems for, for lots of people. And and I think it's in, it, these things have just like, oh, shut up and get on with it, isn't the answer anymore. You know, I do think it's important that well, hang on a minute, this constant... Because you see it with boxers, it's not the big knockout shot yeah. that gives you the trauma, it's the, it's the constant yeah. jabs. Yeah. And it's the, the, the you know, that the, the causes the, 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 the trauma. And and Chris and I are big fans of mixed martial arts and they're talking about the the, the very little sort of long-term effects. Of, that sport's still so young that they're not they seeing it and yeah. they're going to start seeing it soon that it yeah. is going to cause head trauma and it is going to... Yeah. Did you watch the documentary recently about the rugby player yeah. that, that got dementia? Mm. And yeah, I mean, it's across sports. Obviously, in the NFL, it, it's probably five years further on than we are with football. And that it never did me any harm attitude. You know, is is all well and good. I respect that. I bloody headed a football for any number of years. and But you've also got to open your mind to other people's thoughts and the science that's there mm. and say, okay, well, you know, it, it was different in my day, but if we can make this sport as safe as we possibly can, so we're looking after kids and looking after people as they get into their sort of late 40s, late 50s, then surely you've got to do it as a, as a society, as a sport, haven't you? Um, you know, the, the foundation very much recognises the positive... Uh, the, the positive mental benefits of playing sport, whatever that yeah. sport may be. But they say that, you know, traumatic head injury shouldn't be an acceptable consequence no. of that. And I think that's that's fair enough. You know, they're not, um, you know, trying to do a blanket ban on heading by any stretch of imagination. They're, they're trying to make it as safe as possible for all of us. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you're now working with them on the single? 
uh, we're working together, yeah, in partnership. Um, yeah, the, the, the single was kind of a fait accompli before they got on board, but they really love it. Obviously, they're able, they, some of their patrons include the likes of Alan Shearer, Gary Neville, Gordon Banks. Um, so we're hoping that they'll be able to sort of open some of those media doors for Amazing. us to get the song as much traction as possible. And um, yeah, we, we shall see. I think it's just over three weeks, sorry, just under three weeks now to the tournament. So, yeah, we've got a, a big media push. As ever, there's loads of competition out there. You know, old Tyson Fury's released Sweet Caroline and um, the, the Badil and Skinner are out again. And it, what, what is nice, actually, is that little Twitter community of people who are a similar sort of level to us. You know, we've not necessarily got any star names involved, but we're patriotic and we've, we've made a product and we're trying to get it out there. Yeah. And rather than sort of competing and going, oh, don't listen to this, listen to us... It's become like a little family, you know. People are already talking about making a, an album of the the England songs that uh, doesn't don't necessarily get that exposure that people get by having big media companies and big stars on board. So yeah, that's been a, a that surprised me, but it's been nice. Yeah, but it's also a testament, like you know, if you you get out there, it's it's it, you know, ultimately it comes down to if the song's good, it will get out there, and because we mentioned. Echo and the Bunnymen, the Spice Girls. I can't think who else was on that. It was a lot of famous people on that. No one could remember that. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter what names you got. If the song ain't any good, that's right. Got to have a people tune. don't care. Yeah. You know. So yeah, in it to win it, Rich. In it to win it, mate. Absolutely. Um, so as well as being able to buy it in all the usual places, people can stream it as well. And does that does that all kind of go in the pot on? on people Spotify? can stream it. All goes in the pot again. Yep. 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 Um, we, we, we spent a really hot and sweaty couple of days in August with Christmas jumpers and um, <laughs> like ridiculous Christmas outfits, you know, trees and stars with um, Orsett School and the Thameside Theatre, local theatre that have really um, climbed on board and done. I know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what is it, bendy face or wob wobbly face or ugly face? <laughs> No, I mean they they've they've played a blinder and um they they they've really supported us and we yeah we shot a video um we're trying to get that out as well in the next um week or so so there'll be a, a YouTube offering hopefully um but yeah if if all of sort of Thurrock can start the ripple and then it ripples out to Essex and beyond that'd be great um yeah do all the usual things you know listen to it Include it in a in a Spotify playlist and send it out to your mates and just spread the word on the socials. We'd we'd really appreciate that as a group, mate. As as we mentioned beforehand, that uh, we're, we're really lucky that our listeners, whoever we have on, um, whatever they're they're coming here to talk about, we're, we're really blessed that our listeners are really supportive of, of of people that we have on here and 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 the things that they do. So. Uh, you've definitely got some new listeners uh, and that have a, come yeah, from this. Yeah, it was a fascinating chat, Rich. I've got to be honest with you, I really enjoyed this. And we, we will stick all the links on as well to give people the easiest way to access uh, uh, the Stick Another Star on the Shirt, is that Stick it? Another Star on the Shirt, yeah. We're, yeah. Love it. Oh, thanks, Chris. Oh, thanks, mate, our pleasure. It's been a blast. Absolute pleasure, Rich. Thanks, mate. Cheers, bud.
I've bought all the England kits Everyone since 66 Always wear the shirt to watch my side in Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.